Hello and welcome to What Did We Just Watch, a show where we talk about what we just watched. I'm your wholesome know-it-all and resident movie buff, Zach Kuyat. And I'm your frustrated cabbage merchant, Emily Coffin. Very good. And frustrated cabbage merchant, because this week we've we've taken the leap, we've taken the dive, we've we've watched some of our favorite movies, and this week it was time. Everybody's talking about the last airbender being on Netflix now and or, people are getting or really by the nostalgic. time by the time this episode yes. comes out we'll have been talking about everybody it was like talking about it <laughs> but this week we've decided no let's not enjoy the things of our youth instead let's remember when they were ruined with M. Night mm-hmm. Shyamalan's The Last Airbender but before we yeah. get too deep into that um, last week you promised me that you would come to this recording aware of the volume of the Grand Canyon and by that uh, reaction that I can see from you, <laughs> it seems as if you did remember to look it up. So this I is going to be the fun fact of the day. you'd forget, Zach. Of course not. How would I The ever? volume, the volume of the Grand Canyon is 5.45 trillion cubic yards. Well, that's so much. I don't know that what a cubic so yard much. looks like, but anything that I don't either. Trillion. I know a yard is three feet. Yeah, that's and good. it's a lot of those. <laughs> I mean, like, I know that a, a yard is three feet and then you cube that, but I don't have any frame of reference <laughs> for what 5.5 trillion of those is, except I guess the Grand Canyon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Stupid. Wow. Just go to the Grand Canyon. Good point. Well, Just we've, really we've, quick. If, we, if <laughs> you leave this podcast having learned <laughs> one thing, it will be that that is the volume of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Oh boy. Since I am the keeper of all knowledge that is not movie related. Yes, exactly. You have to know everything else. That's Absolutely. the bit. Now we're officially doing callbacks. Look at us go. I'm, I'm really glad you remembered that because I was genuinely concerned I was going to have to be like, hey, um, hey, do you remember last week when you said you. <laughs> I just told my health. Fun fact I, I, I was going to share. I looked it up just for you. Um, <laughs> just to hear it that time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Oh boy. Then I remembered well, you edit these, so yes. <laughs> that it was probably going to be hard for you to forget. I have all the power to remember and also to just decide. I could have put that not in the episode if I really wanted. Yeah, I you could have just said. You can just delete anything that we say. This could be a solo show if I wanted it to be. If you wanted it to be. I could just go back and record over everything you say <laughs> and it's just, just me talking to me. Write yourself out a script of everything I say <laughs> and talk, have a two-way conversation with yourself exactly. for an hour. Oh, that sounds like a pain. I would hate that. That seems like a fun bit to do for like one episode for a show that's not this one. But I don't want to edit all that. So, you know, for, I think fun. for now I'll keep you because it's it's easier for everybody that way. Okay, while we're while we're in this like uh, limbo intro intro section, I'm going to I'm going to make sure of something before we start this. Okay. You you've watched Last Airbender, right? The the yes. show. Yes. Okay, show. great. Great. I was I was getting worried because I don't think I'd asked you that before, and I was like, "Oh shit! What if I spoil the entire <laughs> thing for him in this?" No, I have watched it. Um, it's been okay, a while. Great. I haven't rewatched it since. It's been oh, please yet, do! But... I've rewatched it twice since it it came <laughs> out on Netflix a week ago, and I've rewatched the entire series twice now. I love that for you. I've been... I mean, I'm still quarantined, so what else do I have to do? Right. But... I've been busier than I expected to be in the last week, so I haven't had the chance to do stuff like that. Currently dealing with a facial injury, and I also... Yeah, you are. Yeah, that was... I, I have six stitches in my nose as we Your speak. Dumb I get nose. them out tomorrow. I know, my big dumb nose. You get I mean, them out tomorrow? Yes, I get them out tomorrow. Good job. Proud of you. I, Good job I, healing. I know. I begin my journey into 
like TV villain from then on because I'm gonna have a big <laughs> scar across my nose. Speaking so. of having a scar on your face and being a villain Perfect. on the show. <laughs> so good. Yes, speaking of having facial scars and being emotionally complex and a villain on a TV show. Well, that's bold of you. I, I've Sorry. decided I'm emotionally complex. <laughs> uh, hey, I support you. <laughs> so, The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. We gotta, I mean, I already said it, but we gotta get it out of the way. This movie is bad. Oh, it's awful. It's I just hate it. not good. I decided... It is tough to watch. And it's funny to me that it clearly was branding itself as like season one of the show. Yes. Like this is oh yeah, it book opens one saying here. book one water. Exactly. We're gonna do more of these. And Oof. instead people Oof. were like, no, no, no. This is a terrible, terrible movie. That, I mean, it made uh, $320 million. It didn't do oh, yeah. horribly, but it... It also Just didn't critically, do well, it did horribly. It was bad. Yeah, that um, was a tough one. It was so. <laughs> you know, I'm the. I've already established myself in these couple episodes that we've had as the person that watches all the interviews and stuff yes, with yes. actors, directors, what have you. Of course. And every single one I watched, even from like after the movie came out, from Shyamalan or any of the other actors other actors Shyamalan is not an actor in this movie um any of the it's actors one of the in the few movie, movies they're all that he's not in. they all are so confident there's gonna be more and I, I almost feel bad for I do feel bad for them because yeah. <laughs> oh oh my god it's awful it's awful yeah it's I, I mean let, let's jump into the first question let's talk please about do. let's talk about first question what's extreme and the easy thing this time to talk about is what's bad. Um, right. And that's most of it. Yeah. Um, uh, the vast majority, I'd say. Um, I do have one positive thing. Oh, I do too. I, I have I'll stuff say. I wouldn't want to talk about that's good. Well, let's start there. Let's start out nice. Yeah. Um, we'll just I, begin I like that they started the movie with the um, that homage to the opening credits of the show with the red I background. I was going to say that too. Yes. And then doing recreating the opening to the show i thought thought that was was really smart it's it's a very hopeful opening because okay (laughs) i have not seen i haven't seen this movie since i think i watched this movie once before now before we decided to record this before we watched it for this really um i think i I watched it i know i've seen it before i've watched it once like around the time it came out and it deeply disappointed me (laughs) and i didn't watch it ever again and so I tried really hard because, you know, sometimes in the the world we live in now, it's kind of the thing to like crap on things right? and like everybody's crapping on the same thing. It's kind of a community bonding thing. Yeah, you're doing it together. <laughs> and I kind of like go- went into this trying, <laughs> trying to be like, okay, I, I don't want to hate this just because I know everybody hates it. Sure. Yeah. So I really tried to go into this. With a positive, like, hey, I'm sure there's some good I can find in this. But genuinely, those opening credits are about all I got. <laughs> the, the opening credit, I really did think that was a good touch to add to it the was. movie. You, it showed that, like, you were at least aware of the source material and, <laughs> and that that was something you were being conscious of. I The other thing that I thought was a positive is the effects work in this movie. I think the yeah, like the bending terrible. effects are pretty good, especially considering it's Nickelodeon. 
right. leave this. And like the the water bending effects are generally pretty good. That's yeah, most of the movie good. because this is the water portion of you know the overarching TV show story. Yeah, and, and it looks pretty good. The fire effects are really pretty good. I didn't even yeah. have much much to complain about there. And I thought um, Appa and Momo, you know, they're crazy oh. imaginary animals, but I didn't <laughs> hate the way they looked. I kind of did, but that's I mean that's me. And that's hey, what's that's tough you. is an animal that doesn't exist in real life is kind Absolutely. of always going to look a little weird. Appa I've seen like... animals that looked a lot worse in movies. You know, Appa looks like one of the things from the Where the Wild Where the Wild Things Are. Things are? Yep, yeah, I had the same he looks thought. like one of those. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe the design was weird, but the actual like execution. No, of yeah, the, getting fact, it into real life, I thought worked. Generally, like he was actually there. Yeah, like as much as for you the can most part. And, with that budget at that time. Aside from yeah. the fact that they basically removed him for most of the movie. Yeah, he's barely Which, in it. I get it. It was probably expensive and they didn't want to yeah, like, they wanted sure. to cut that cost anywhere That's that they could. It's an expensive movie with all of those oh, like, yeah. elemental effects. That's a lot of Absolutely. digital work and all doing. the And the sets are really big. And so like, yeah. I get that they wanted to like cut back on that as much as they could. But the fact that Appa is such like a... He's not just an animal in the show. He's he's a character. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just kind of... He was just there. <laughs> yeah. In a couple scenes. And that um, didn't... That one didn't bother me as much. Like, him being gone to sort of cut some of the costs didn't bother me as much as some of the other things that I felt like were a lot more obvious. Oh, like absolutely. Like, the first time they find Aang, and you can, like, see exactly where the sound stage ends and where the can digital backdrop starts. Can you really? I didn't starts. even notice that. Like, it, it's just, like... The everything behind them looks so flat because you can see there's like 10 feet behind them and then a snowbank and then behind that is green screen but it looks like yeah. behind that is almost just a matte painting instead that is, that like, is one thing you can flat. see you can definitely see green screen yeah. you can like blatantly see green screen in a lot of this movie um but like if you want to watch season one of the show on fast forward and without the good parts <laughs> this is the movie for you you know yeah it it, it reeks had a hard of time like... <laughs> picking what it wanted to tell the audience. Absolutely. Um, and then it also spent so much time telling the audience things instead of like actually doing things. Right. I well, and I think it's it's a it's one of Shyamalan's biggest issues is he he's not a bad story writer. Clearly, you know, he has no, a no, history no, no, no. with being a good is. storyboarder. I'll say right now, I've only seen two Shyamalan films in my entire life. Okay. Because um, I looked and I was like, how how many Shyamalan films have I actually seen? Because I know with him, there's a lot of mixed Definitely. feelings. Yeah. Um, and the only films I've seen that are his are this and Devil. Interesting. Which are both notoriously not good. I've never yeah, seen Yeah, and Devil, he only produced. Uh, signs, he didn't... signs, is that him? Signs is him. Yeah, yeah. I have never seen Signs. Um, um, Split that came out last year. Um, Glass, or not last year, a couple years ago. Oh, yes, Glass. Glass. was out last year. I've seen Split. That's the third one. I've seen yes, Split. Yes, Split's very good. I have not um, seen Glass. Did you see the Stuart Little movie? Oh, I did. He wrote the script for that. Did he really? Yes, he sure did. Have seen you seen She's All That? Uh, I don't think I have. Well, he did script punch-ups on She's All That. Punch-ups? Yeah, he came in and did late stage. He's uncredited late stage rewrites, basically, of She's All That. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But 
this this movie kind of hits on i think i think it could have been good i think Shyamalan was the wrong choice for it absolutely because he's a he's a pretty talented story writer you know six sense is a yeah. great story he has good ideas unbreakable is a very from good what story I've seen, he's not the best at like putting his them scripts to aren't he's very not strong. the best at conveying them he's got good like concepts i think right the the idea behind you know he's he's clearly made his thing like I'm going to put a big twist in most of my movies and that, yeah. <laughs> you know, more power to you. That works. But he, he's very much not an actor's director. Um, so that's no. tough when you're working with a cast full of kids. And I actually think it was <laughs> yeah. really smart to cast unknowns in those roles. Like, I think that's a really good yeah. way to do this because if you put somebody recognizable, well, that makes it really hard to reconcile with the fact that, this is a pre-existing IP and people yeah, have their thoughts about these characters. I do agree with that. So I think you can project more onto somebody that you don't recognize. But the problem is you get a an unknown and unquantified talent with a director mm-hmm. who's not historically all that good at working with actors. And right. those actors he's working with are unquantified and are children. children. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's where you see it's not his strength. And when he's working in an existing story that he doesn't get to write the story, he's in charge of the script right. instead. It I think, really I think highlights his struggles with him. writing a script. Um, yeah, because that's not his thing. The dialogue is weird and clunky in this oh, movie. Oh, it's so bad. And you almost can't fault, you know, I admittedly, I'm going to be honest, I don't think the kids, like the main three kids do a great job. Oh, no, not at all. But I, you almost can't <laughs> fault them for that because half of what they're saying is nonsense. It's so, yeah. It's like, it's here is what we are doing and what we are going to do next. We should travel across the country and save these earth villages because yeah. you are the avatar. My name is Soka I'm now. Sorry. Avatar. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think this, this movie reeks of like, do you remember when you were in high school English class mm-hmm. and you walked into class? Let's say class was reading The Grapes of Wrath. Sure. Because that's one I notoriously remember specifically choosing not to read, even though I was told to. <laughs> you walk in and you see on the board, oh, we've got a pop quiz over chapters 8 through 10. Mm, okay, Shit. yeah. And so it reeks of like, I'm going to go through spark notes. Try your best to remember what happened. every plot point I can find into my brain and hope it helps. Yeah. That's what this movie feels like to me. Yeah, definitely. Feel, even though Shyamalan in a lot of the... Uh, interviews I was watching, he claims to be such a huge fan of the show. And, like, he says that his daughter was a huge fan. He says that's, like, when he became aware of it was because his daughter was a huge fan and was, like, wanting to dress up as Katara for Halloween and, like, made him watch it and he fell in love with it. But this movie just does not feel like he loved it at all. And I wonder if that's the problem because the show was really well recognized for you know, having fully fleshed out characters mm-hmm. and really dealing with thematic issues and dealing Absolutely. with war and how that affects people. And the movie feels like, hey, here's a story about people who can do water magic, you know? And like, yeah. let's throw them at people who can do fire magic and they're going to fight each other. And I wonder if that is because it's coming from the perspective of someone who watched it as a kid's show and and watched right. it be- because their own child liked it so then you go mm-hmm. into it with that impression of oh this is a show for kids that is fun to watch 
he, instead of okay. doing it on your own. I actually literally 30 minutes before we started this, I watched it because <laughs> I just like literally Google put into YouTube uh, Avatar Last Airbender movie interviews and like just went <laughs> down the line and watched a bunch of them because this is one I was just like, I just want to know what they think of what they did, you know? Yeah. Um, and one of them, he was talking with, oh, I have it somewhere in my notes. I'll probably get to their names later. But the two <laughs> creators of the show. Mm, yeah. Uh, Brian is one of them. And I can't remember the name of the other one. And it's the two of them sitting down with him. And this is before the movie even started filming, before they casted, before anything. It was like right after he got announced. Huh. Um, and they were talking about what he liked about the show. And he said he brought ran kind of randomly. He brought up that the one thing he didn't like about the show was that it leaned into being a kid's show. Interesting. So he wanted to get rid of that. That was like his state. He was like, I don't think this belonged as a kid's show. So I'm going to make it not for kids. Well, and you can, I feel like you can see that in the movie. Because yeah, absolutely. All of the he characters really forgot to have fun. Yeah, like the show is no endearing fun. because all of the characters have fun. Because they're Sokka, kids, and kids should Sokka have fun. hurt me. Yeah, with how bland he was. Instead it of being hurt like me goofy, so bad. Well, and, and, and I, instead of like ugh. you know, in the intro, the one of the like notable shots in the intro of the cartoon is Aang on the ball of wind, and he yes. runs into the thing. And in this movie, instead, he cries tears of anguish over his dead family in a pit full of bones. Yeah. Like, Which, like that's the version of it in this show. movie. Right, but that's what but, this movie is, you know? Right. It focuses <laughs> on that instead of the fact that that was one of the things that I think was so powerful about the show was that it it was from a kid's perspective. It was a war right. seen through a kid's eyes and like they and I don't care if you're a kid or an adult, you deal with shit with humor people deal with things right. through humor and that was a lot of the show was like terrible things are happening but we're still gonna try to like stay positive and get through it and keep our spirits up no matter what's going on and i think that's one of the big messages of the show and it's one of the big reasons so many people resonated with it and the fact that they just kind of got rid of it because it felt too childish yeah. air quotes um i don't i don't know it just doesn't it i don't think it I don't think anyone would think that it honors the source material that it comes from. Right. And I think it's it's part of just what he misses in telling stories about people. And I think it's mm -hmm. been true in a lot of his stuff is he, ha he a lot of times has a tone and that's what the movie is. Mm -hmm. You know, like gotcha. The Sixth Sense is he's, it's mysterious and sometimes it's spooky, <laughs> but there's not like a moment of levity in there you know it, right. he he's got a a path and he kind of hangs out there um and this movie does that too and what the cartoon did really well was it's like let's do these big moments where it's hey we're in a war and we need to remember that we're in a war and sometimes like you said in the intro sometimes a guy gets all of his cabbages exploded out of a cart <laughs> and then we goof about that because it takes place over a, whole a episode long time seeing a play about themselves and like it's goofy exactly. and funny like it, yeah. it, the movie even like jumps 
over time because they need to because they're trying to tell so much of the story all at once but it what it jumps over is all of those days in between where you would probably just be traveling and hanging out and the yeah. show got to expand on that because it's a tv show and not a movie but they got to travel and we got to see like what those characters did and because we saw that we saw the humanity of it and that's yeah, why absolutely. the war story is impactful because you see the humanity behind the war story Absolutely. And that's why, like, the late season and the more you dig into Zuko's character, you know, the more you get oh. into that, the more, you know, emotionally jarring the whole thing is because you see that on both sides there's actual humans with emotions and, and dealing with everything. Right. And it's not just a faceless evil enemy. Totally. Yeah, it's it's tough to reconcile those things. And I think that's why this movie misses in the first place. It's poorly directed performances and complete whiffing on the themes that people enjoyed from the show and the reasons people enjoyed the show. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> this is going to be more fun because boy, oh boy, do I have some questions. <laughs> Question number two, what are your questions? My, I just, I don't know what the thought process behind this was, but why... Why do they all have slightly different names? Okay, I have an answer. Why do you have to because go that was, instead of Aang? What's the that point? Was number, that was number one on my questions when I started looking at interviews and stuff. Because I was like, there has, to be, there has to be a reason. I'm sure. They didn't, I didn't just do that part. change half the names because <laughs> they felt like it. Um, yeah. Apparently, the idea behind it was that it was more... This is from Shyamalan. This is what he right. said about it. He said it was more... Um, culturally accurate to mm. the dialect, the Asian dialect, for those uh, vowels to be pronounced that way, with the mm. ah, ong instead of ang, and uh, what else did they change? Eero uh, instead of Iro, yes. Avatar instead of Avatar. I will say one thing though: I caught an oopsie in this <laughs> in this movie. I caught an oopsie because. They make a big deal of, they say Avatar instead of Avatar, except for one time. And it's in the <laughs> beginning when uh, Katara and Sokka are talking to Graham Graham, and oh, she blatantly calls him the Avatar <laughs> instead of Avatar. But then yeah. every other time the rest of the movie, it's Avatar. It's Avatar, Avatar, Avatar. But, um, so I, I found that out. Uh, so that's why they changed a lot of the names. Interesting. But... Yeah, but I think uh -huh. uh, I watched an interview with, uh, <laughs> of all people, Dante Bosco, who, okay. if if anyone out there does not know, he's the voice of Zuko in the original in the show. Um, also, American Dragon Jake Long, the icon. American Dragon, <laughs> what a great show! Oh, absolutely. When's that movie coming out? Right. Um, but Dante Bosco was asked about it in an. He was asked about the movie, which he claims he never saw the movie. Um, Interesting. <laughs> I don't know whether that's true or not. That's I a good know. diplomatic answer, whether or not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he even said he was like, "Listen, if I'm ever in a casting room with M Night Shyamalan and he finds out that I talked crap about his movie, uh, that's not going right. to go well." So yeah. So he says he never saw it, but then he says, "Okay, well, you can't, you can't say that you're changing the pronunciation of the names to be more <laughs> culturally accurate." Yep. But then also cast a bunch of white kids. Yeah, let's lead. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, I, 
I don't think it's insignificant, and I don't think it's done accidentally on the show, that Sokka and Katara are both very clearly darker-skinned than Zuko. But instead, in the movie, the main three are, like, the whitest kids you've seen. And Zuko is Dev Patel, who we're going to have to come back to at the next question. Oh, I'm sure we are. The evil nation is all people of color. And then your three heroes are three white kids. Yeah. Did nobody? It, and it I don't doesn't even know look how good. that comes out because Shyamalan doesn't have like a bad history with that. And also, you know, Shyamalan is not white. Um, and I think right. there's there's a long conversation to be have to be had about you know the the coding of society and the coding especially of pop culture and yes. and how even people within the industry are trained to look at people like that um but still even if you're just pulling from the source material you've flipped things on their head immediately absolutely and and i don't know what happened there especially when he clearly is trying to take steps to pay attention to things like that yes absolutely because in every interview i watched (laughs) back to all the interviews i watched with him because i was both the pronunciation and with this (laughs) issue, I was very interested in what he had to say. Right. Um, And there are some interviews I found where they blatantly ask him, like, why did you cast a bunch of white kids as the, as the heroes and then have the, have the Indian middle Eastern people as, as the fire nation, as the bad guys. And all he would ever say about it was just like, Oh, well, this is, this is such a diverse film. And I'm so proud of how diverse it is. And there's so much diversity in this film. And there's so many different ethnicities in this film. And he wouldn't ever actually say anything about, like, why those three needed to be white. (laughs) You know? Right. Because Because just saying that you have people of different races in your project doesn't mean that you've made it inclusive or you've made it something, you know, better than what it could be. Because what happens in this movie, and I obviously I don't think it's conscious, but what happens in this movie is Mm -hmm. it's coded very specifically that like the water nation is white and the fire nation is people of color. And I just don't know how that got missed by so many people throughout the process. And I don't think, you know, a movie is a movie. I don't necessarily think he needs to like answer for it after the fact. Yeah. it, I get it's, that. It makes it tough to like not notice it when you're watching the movie because it is. Uh, oh, you! I mean, it's, it's very, blatant. very noticeable. Yeah. I think the other thing on top of that is well, another argument he would make about it. I forgot about this. He would say that um, he would compare it to anime, and mm. he would say, "Oh, well, in anime, they intentionally make their characters have very like racially ambiguous features." Yeah. So that anyone can identify with them. And I'm like, okay, but this isn't an anime. Right. <laughs> Even though they're heavily influenced by that art form, this isn't an anime. And yeah. on top and, of and that, in the end, this is a movie. Yeah. Like... And on top of that, in the show, they very blatantly base each of the four nations on a very specific culture. Like yeah. uh, the Fire Nation is very heavily influenced by Japanese culture. 
the water tribe is very heavily Inuit culture. Mm-hmm. I genuinely cannot remember what the air nomads and the earth kingdom are based <laughs> on, but those are the two I know. And those are the yeah. two they very blatantly got very wrong. Yeah. And it's so like when, um, they very much established this world and he just kind of decided, no, thanks. Uh, right. <laughs> no, thank you. It, yeah. It's a tough look, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, I just don't really get where another, another thing he did mention, or actually he didn't mention it. I was watching an interview with Dev. That's his name. Who Dev plays Patel? Zuko. Um, oh, what a talent. Yes. I love that guy. He, no. Yeah. I think he's great. He seemed very nice in all of the interviews I watched. Um, he brought up that he was cast first in anyone in the hmm. fire nation. So they cast him. And then he was like, cause he got asked about it. Which, yeah. like, I don't know. That, I don't know that that's fair to ask him about it because right, he didn't he's a make child. his choice. He just got cast. He's a child who's um, in a movie. That's not fair to him, right? Um, but he was like, "Listen, I got cast first, and they had to cast people around me to, you know, so that I could look as if I was related to the people around me, right?" Um, which, like, I get. I, I just think they could have been. I just think they could have been more intelligent and considerate right. about their choices in that for right us. exactly um speaking of him seeming related to people around him i'm gonna move us forward because um <laughs> as much as i think this is good stuff um there's not really an answer for it so otherwise oh, we could just talk back and forth on it all day absolutely, um, absolutely but speaking of him being related to the people around him how does every member of the fire nation have a different accent <laughs> they do, every single know. one of the uncle iro iro depending on which version of it you're saying has like a pronounced Spanish accent in this movie. Yes, he does. It's but so weird. Dev Patel Zuko has like almost no accent beyond American to speak of. Right. Which like and is different because he's like listening to his interview. He sounded like British. I think he's. He like, is Australian. British. Australian. I think. Close. I, ooh, I think. Ah, I think that's right. So close. Almost there. <laughs> think that's right hold on you keep talking i'm gonna make sure that's um but yeah oh no he's british he's british is he okay great i was right he's british um he was australian in lion which uh, i I I had myself convinced that he was from there um but yeah it i don't know i just think so much of the anything cultural in this in the property got so just muddled yeah. In everything that this movie is, that it's just nothing is distinguishable as yeah, being, and it's, belonging it's, to anything. He's British, and Eero is like Spanish, and you know the the captain of the Fire Nation, not Zhao? the Fire Lord. Yes, Captain Zhao, Zhao yeah. is like uh, uh, you know Asif Manvi just has yes. an Indian accent and speaks Ooh, love. with an Indian. He's wonderful, Much but love he has for an him. Indian accent. And that's yeah. your three main Fire Nation characters who right. all sound it's dramatically all different. The place. Like they could not possibly have been from the same place. Yeah. But it, I... one, two of them are supposed to be related. They're all supposed to know each other very well. And they're supposed to be from the same country. Also, can I say right here, um, since we're talking about all the Fire Nation people. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's his name? I have it up here at top. There's like four of them. Uh, Cliff Curtis. Cliff yes. Curtis. Who is uh, Fire Lord Fire Ozai? Lord. Yes. Uh, he's like the least 
threatening person I, I think I've ever seen in my life. He and I like Cliff Curtis to... a lot. It, what else has he been in? Has he been in stuff? He's I don't done know. a number of small things. He, I okay. think he's still on Fear the Walking Dead. Um, but he's oh, done see, a bunch of roles of comparable size to this one. He's very okay. talented. See, he just looks like at any moment he's going to rip off that black and red uniform and underneath is just going to be like a polo and some khaki shorts and he's going to go grill some hot dogs for his kids on the front lawn like he just looks (laughs) so he in no way seems threatening at any point in the entire movie did you ever see the movie sunshine i did not you should watch sunshine he's very good in sunshine okay that's that's also never i don't think i've heard of it it's a very good movie that you and the audience should watch um, it's kind of right. weird, but I like it a lot. Noted. It's a space thing. It's it's good. I like it. Um, Ooh, but he's I like very space good in things. It. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, it just... Uh, the whole movie, I was going, how are these people supposed to know each other? Yeah. Like, and and you, I think this is also a script question. I'm going to bounce it forward just a little bit. That Please do. The relationships between characters don't make any sense in this no, movie. No, like, they're bad. The, the brother-sister thing is like... You are a brother and sister, go. And like Zuko and Iro, it's like you are an uncle and nephew, go. But then anybody that's not family, the relationship doesn't make any sense. No, and there's like specifically nothing. the one that just confused me to no end was the end of the movie where they're uh uh the captain whose name I have already forgotten. Zhao. Zhao. Captain Zhao has just killed the moon spirit. Yes. And just stabbed a fish in a bag, which is like the strangest <laughs> way to kill an ancient being. Yeah. But stabbed a fish to in a bag. Fair, faithful to the show. This is true. <laughs> That's what they did this is true. <laughs> but they're in there and trying to deal with it. And Eero is just there with the heroes. Yeah. And just nobody comments with on the fact that like, hey, you were a bad guy like three yeah. minutes ago. Because Why are you yeah, helping this situation? They realize he's fine and kind of become friends with him before Zuko like a season later but right. not at this point at this point they've had like no contact right other and, than and even, even him giving Aang the, the weird are you the avatar test that was weird and out of nowhere yeah. even if that does match up with the show it doesn't at all work in the movie because no. all he do- all he did was try to imprison Aang and yeah, they didn't there's... see each other again until that moment so yeah. they wouldn't even probably recognize him except for Aang, was is the only one who's ever seen him before. Although, but they're like fine with everybody hanging out in the, yeah, in the moon. I will room. say, I think uh, Iroh and uh, Zuko are probably the best people in this movie. Oh, yeah. It, that's probably the best acting just anything in this movie. That's not yeah. saying a lot. Let's but jump to the next I, they question. They were the most here. tolerable. Because I want to talk about this. Question number Absolutely. three is, why are you here? Why and you for here? me, that is so obviously <laughs> that category belongs to Dev Patel. Because yeah. this movie is full of either people that didn't exist before and then faded into obscurity or a couple, like, character actors. You know, yeah. Cliff Curtis totally. and Asif Manvi are generally, you know, more bit part character role actors. Totally. Dev Patel has been is a multiple time Oscar nominee. Is he really? I did not know that. He, I knew, I knew he was in, I knew he was in, uh, uh, Oh my God. 
Which one of the two Slumdog that I just Millionaire. Said? Yes. <laughs> I know he was in that. That's yeah. really... Which I haven't even seen, so Slumdog I don't... Slumdog Millionaire and Lion. He was nominated for both of those. And wow, he's, I did not know that. He is incredible. He's a very talented actor. Is he the lead? Is he the lead in Slumdog Millionaire? Yep. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Which, yeah, again, he, haven't seen it, so... <laughs> yes. It's good. I think you would like Lion more if you haven't seen Lion. Really? Okay. Yes, you'd be very into that one. Good to know, um, good to know. That's why I thought he was Australian, because that movie is set in Australia. <laughs> but he is... He is one of the most talented, like, young actors working out there right now. And clearly he's yeah. not as young as he was in this movie. But he right. is... He, he's so talented. And I think he does a pretty good job in this movie. He does. Even though with there's what not he's a lot given, for him to work with. I think he does a good job. Right. I mean, and that's so tough because it's a movie that's only an hour and a half long and God. you he's being asked to be <laughs> a child who's been banished by his father who scarred him across the face and now has to be on a revenge quest right. to go collect the Avatar. But also sometimes he has to save the Avatar because he needs to do it himself. And right. like there's so much that just is being asked of him. And he does a good job because he's very talented. Absolutely. Dev Patel is very good and he doesn't belong in this movie. He's no, too he good not. for it. That's another um, thing that didn't work in this movie, though, was that rescue scene. It's like, yeah. we, we don't have enough time to establish that this works. Like, just no. just let Aang break himself out or let Katara and Sokka come get him because this we don't have the time in an hour and a half right. to think about that. Well, cause the, way, the way it goes in the show is that Zuko kidnaps him. And then Katara and Sokka come save him. Or Katara... Yeah. Somebody comes... One of those two, or both, come and save him. <laughs> I literally just watched it and I can't remember. But... And then it's this whole moral thing where they decide to save Zuko because he's out in the middle of the North Pole and is gonna die mm. if they don't help him and they decide to help him. And that's one of the first times that you see like them make a, a hard choice that's like... Okay, right. this is the right thing to do, even though we that's, don't like him. And they just that's said, the thematic yeah. working of the show. Right. That's when the show worked. Right. Also, yeah. since we're talking about when he saved Aang, uh, can we talk about that wig they put him in when he's the blue spirit? Yeah, that was... Because, I, ew. <laughs> I so was ugly. guessing that that was like a, a sort of cultural thing as well, because Maybe? it reminded me of looking at in like... Um, literature and history of theater mm. of uh like kabuki style gotcha. uh, costuming and i wondered if it was somehow connected to that i like i said you're the one who does research on this um i'm the one who just shows up <laughs> i do and not know says things. uh somehow that that one scene in the movie never came up in any of the interviews so i don't know um i oh i wish i could pull exactly which play so, it just seems so like um uh, unnecessary because yeah. like the whole bit with that the blue spirit like that persona that zuko takes on is like it's a stealth thing right and it's his <laughs> thing he uses when he doesn't want to be recognized and if you want to be stealthy you don't really want a giant mass of hair around you that's just gonna get yeah. caught on everything like that was my that was my problem with it one right. it was ugly two it it just wasn't practical for the reason that he was dressing up that way at all. Right. I I think it's connected to 
no theater. Uh, Japanese no theater. Because I... Oh, I'm, I'm so disappointed. I hope um, neither Doc J or Aaron is listening to me right now because I can't pull the exact <laughs> play. But one of the one of the snippets of performance we watched was a clip from a piece of no theater um, mm-hmm. where uh, this... The, this group of soldiers gets um, shelter for the night from this old woman who is living on a mountain, but uh, they're told that they're not allowed to go into a certain room. Um, but, okay. of course, it's a play, so obviously they go look in the room, and it's full of bodies, and it's revealed that this woman oh, is oh, actually oh. a demonic spirit. And she's... The, the look, traditionally, of that demonic spirit character is very similar to um, mm. that... Uh, blue spirit okay. look and i i think that those are connected however like i said i didn't do extra research for this okay. um that's just what's already floating around in my brain i think those are connected though and i wish i can more than anything i could remember exactly what play that was i um, can i can respect that but again they cast three white kids in the right. leads, so not that much but yeah I it's it a little bit it's an effort and I'll give it that. And it I actually an effort, maybe in the wrong place, but it's an effort. My biggest problem with that scene was the fight choreography. Oh, because bad. they nothing. Swords weren't touching each other. I mean, no. guys were just falling down randomly. The camera was spinning, so you could never yeah, tell what was going on. Anyway, is that the is that the spot where there's that really long take? Yes. Yeah. It... There's a very long attempt at a oneer in there. Also, while we're talking about the fighting, can we talk about how bad <laughs> the bending is just in general? Yeah. Um, like, it's specifically, so performative. Yeah. Specifically, that scene where they're in the, <laughs> that Earth the Kingdom Earth jail, yep, yep. and there's six, there's six of them, and they do this whole kind like, doing their thing. It's, which and is it takes, very like, good. 15 seconds, and yeah. then just One a rock. small rock just One slowly rock floats, floats by. slowly past them. <laughs> Like, you don't even see it come out of the ground. It floats from screen left and on. I, I, I started this movie five times this week trying to watch it. <laughs> I completed it twice. I started oh, watching it five times. And I realized part of one of the biggest problems this movie has is it's just so damn slow. Everything yeah, is so It's very slow. poorly paced. Yeah. It's somehow rushing through everything, but also everything takes forever. I Bending, genuinely dialogue, everything. I think you could have gotten another plot point into the movie to make things move a little better if you would cut down on the amount of arm flailing it takes to do any bending in this movie. Absolutely. There are a number of scenes of just Aang flailing his arms around and For hitting so poses long. and then at the very end of it somebody falls down somewhere else like yeah it, like you sit there for six seven seconds at a time and then second number eight it's like whoosh and we're done and now it's on to the yeah. next thing which that like, was we're... yeah listen it's not, so to be, not to be the person not to be the person that's like well in the show but in this episode i'm gonna be the person that's like well in the show well in the show one of the <laughs> one of the biggest strengths the show had was like how fast the action was and yeah. how strong it was and the action went by quickly but you knew what was going on and somehow in this movie it goes by so slowly and i still don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah and there are things about it that work there's some really subtle differences between 
some of the different styles in the movie. Like the firebending yes. is very yes. much based in the feet. Um, at a lot of moments, there's a lot of yeah. like, uh, especially with Zuko, you know, in that training moment that you see on the ship, which I will give credit is like a, a scene pulled directly out of the cartoon. Yes, it is. Uncle yes, Iroh is. in the foreground drinking tea and in the background out of focus <laughs> is Zuko, Zuko training. That's going like, at it. I, I could like place that in my mind just mm-hmm. plucked directly out of Definitely. the original cartoon. But that those moments where he's you know pulling that fire out of the braziers and throwing it at somebody, mm-hmm. and he's doing it with like a, a large fan kick or something like that, that is a really interesting juxtaposition with definitely Aang and the Waterbenders doing so much arm work, and then you go to the Earth Nation and it's very grounded, and they have to get into yeah. the ground to get the Earth, and those things I think make a lot of sense, but because it takes so long and is so performative it's and just... like. That moment in the Earthbender's prison is, like, exactly the problem with the... That whole scene is exactly the problem. Yeah. Because none of it makes sense. Like, right. they're in there just, like, looking at things, and then all of a sudden, Aang decides he's going to give this speech. And yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like, what he says doesn't even really make sense. No, and the fact that he's giving a speech doesn't work. And it almost seems like nobody cares that he's talking. And also, if you're in a prison, like, if he just started yelling at everybody that they should rise up, he wouldn't get a chance to finish that speech. No. Like, he'd be overtaken by the Fire Nation immediately. I'm going to go back. In the show, uh, (laughs) in the show, that part is, uh, that's the episode where they're on the ship. Mm. And all of the Earthbenders are trapped on a metal ship. Metal bending isn't a thing yet, because Toph's right. not even here. So <laughs> it's that's why that gives a reason for why their spirits are broken. Because right, because they, they, they're not connected they to the thing. they can't do anything. Yeah. And exactly. in the show, and it's it Katara who when gives the just big, like, like, you should rise in up. In a big speech. dirt pit. Right. Yeah. In in the show, it's Katara, which, like, that... It, it makes more sense for her character to do it in that context, right. but whatever. I can live with that. Um, but the reason they let her, they have like a whole moment where they cut up while she's telling everyone to rise up, where they cut to the guy who's in charge of the prison and he's just like smiling because he knows it's not going to do anything. Right. And like that does so much for like, oh, they don't even feel like they need to stop her. And, like, there mm-hmm. was just no context given to anything like that in the movie that made it feel like... They're literally in... <laughs> There's so much Earth. They're basically in a quarry. Especially with the weird change they made where, um... Like, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. Where, like, the firebenders can only bend existing fire. They can't, like, make it. Right. And if that's going to be part of it, it should be fairly easy to for right. that situation to beat them because you because are in fire an area is significantly less <laughs> easy to find put just out the fires out. around you like right. they talk about it in the northern water temple like hey if the fire nation comes put out all the fires and then they're done and then we'll and then we'll take care of it like i it's like which how which how they like felt like easy which how they were going to deal with that when you got to like the the eclipse stuff if they got to the third movie right. ever I don't know how they were going to like reconcile that because the equivalent of an eclipse is just put out the fire, but (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) 
Oh, goodness. Okay, also, we, I, we've got to keep ourselves moving I at some point. I know we do. I know we do. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Do it. <laughs> in this section? Uh, the, the guy who plays Sokka? Yes. I, like, agonized over it and tried not to look him up for as long as possible because I was like, <laughs> I know I know you. I know I know you and I don't know where it's from. He's Jasper in Twilight. <laughs> oh. He's in Twilight. Wow. Yeah, I didn't v- have A very that one small in the role, but he's in Twilight. And huh. that's why I knew his face so well and was like, I know you. Jackson wow. Rathbone, I know you. That's wild. That is a good one for Why Are You Here? Because that yeah, I yeah, never yeah. would have accidentally I think those that. are like the only two things he's done, like ever. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> what a career, am I right? What an arc. Avatar and the Twilight franchise. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's pop to question number four. And question Please number do. four... It, question number four is what if this was a documentary? And specifically, <laughs> we began this process in the Tiger King craze. So Absolutely. who here might have fed their husband to tigers? Um, I have one right off the bat, and it's any man who would put a fish in a bag and stab it. Oh, yeah, um, Zhao, definitely. Like, what a... Like, what a lame way to do it, you know? Like, if I you're going to kill an ancient spirit, at least be sporting about at it. At least put it in look a bag it in first. the eyes. Yeah, own it. Own <laughs> that. Um, The only one I had for this was M. Night Shyamalan fed Avatar The Last Airbender to tigers. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, yeah, I think that is what needs said about it. Thank you. Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> We should do terrible movies more often because I'm having so much fun. <laughs> oh, we we will get around to some other good ones. I have a couple. I'm on the sure list we will. Excited to get <laughs> us too. Yeah, I I don't even have a lot else for that, so I'm gonna yeah, go straight to the either. next question that's, because it's kind of the yeah, nature it, of that one. You it know? kind of felt like I was getting fed to tigers while I watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like every character that <laughs> the all show of the animated characters got fed so to much tigers. time. So much love and care creating and developing got fed to tigers. Yeah, exactly. During this movie. Which, okay, another thing that I, <laughs> that I learned while watching a lot of interviews. Um, I read something somewhere that was uh, a direct, like, statement from... Statement. This isn't, like, a political thing. Uh, <laughs> but from... Oh, I passed their names already. What are their names? I want to say their names because I respect them a lot. Uh, <laughs> the creators of the show, uh, Michael Dante... DiMartino and Brian uh, Konietzko. I'm sorry if I butchered either of those. They are the men who, they're the two men who created the show. Um, They were apparently involved with the writing, involved with the, they were on set while they were filming this. Um, But they, but they made a statement at some point afterward. I don't know to who or in what context, uh, but they basically said they they were there the entire time, but the, every suggestion and idea that they gave was just ignored. Yeah. They just kind of pretended they weren't there. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah, and I think that probably happens a lot with yeah, original creators of things. Like, you're here, so technically if we can say we had you on set, it'll get people on board with what we're doing, but actually we're not going to pay any attention right. to it. I will say I'm happy that this wasn't, like, the final thing from this universe that got made. I'm glad that even though people like to talk a lot of shit about it, uh, Legend of Korra, I'm really, Mm -hmm. I'm glad they got to make that. And so they had control of the last thing that they made. Um, And I really like, I like Legend of Korra. 
So I have no, I have no qualms with it. Other than it's not as good as the original, but like what could be? Yeah. So it's a very good original show. So yeah. Now this one I think is interesting. Um, the next question here, question number five is: Could someone else have done better? I think we can agree that yes. First <laughs> yeah, of all, yes. easy answer is yes. Do yes. you have any specific uh, <laughs> people you would rather put in this project? Um, whoever designed Zuko's scar could have done better. Um. Mm. That checks out. <laughs> it looks like just like somebody punched him yeah, like a it week looks ago. Like an accident that happened <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, oh. it doesn't look like he's brutalized. It yeah, like uh, it made me so mad. Um, but on a more serious note, <laughs> I have I have actual answers for this one. I have two okay. specifically. Um, <laughs> one of them is more just like I know this would never actually happen, but like what what brilliant fan service would it be if you just balls to the wall just cast Dante Bosco as Zuko? Mm. Just keep see, him that's as the Zuko. only actor I would have specifically kept. Dev Patel was the only one I wanted to keep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get it, but like, what? A, because he has such a distinct voice. Yeah. And I, oh my gosh, I did not know before I looked this up, because um, I was like, what has Dante Bosco done any like live action acting? Um, I did not realize he has done some live action acting. Mm-hmm. He was Rufio in Hook. Yes, he was. I yes, did not know that. And I like went, <laughs> I was watching videos from it earlier and I was like, no way. There's no way that's Dante Bosco. His right. voice sounds exactly the same. That's and that exactly that is also the problem is that he was the right age to play Zuko in 1991. Well, yeah. <laughs> but look at Glee. They got a bunch of like 35-year-olds Yeah, and they all look schoolers. 35. <laughs> yeah, but that's every high school anything. Right. Bam. See, you've you've landed on the one thing I wouldn't have changed about the people involved in the movie, and that was <laughs> okay, Dev okay, Patel. okay, okay. Fine. We have different opinions about that. This is true. I do think Dev Patel did a great job, and yeah. but that's more like a if you really wanted to lean into like fan service <laughs> for the right. show and make them really happy. Right. Um, this one's a real one. Okay. Uh, I think as Iroh, George Takei. Interesting. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I he, think he is Japanese, which is right. uh, consistent with the way that the show was created. And he's George Takei. <laughs> yes. And he's got that, like, deep, he's very, like... He's got some like, gravitas to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a very... I don't know, just very... Uh, There's something very, like, comforting Graceful about presence. Yes, yeah. and very comforting. And... Like, the nerds would go nuts, you know, because he's George Takei. Right. <laughs> and the only other one I had is the only other voice actor that I would be like, oh, I wish he could. Um, I don't know if you know, do you know who Mako is? I don't, know. He's the original voice actor for Iroh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he's the one, he's the one who passed away. He passed away, I think, like, halfway through creating the show. So he got, someone else took over the role of Iroh about halfway through, but he's a really, oh, I can't remember. He did another really, really famous voice role. Oh, I think he voiced um, Splinter in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a while as well. Um, And he's just a very well-respected voice actor. 
Um, and he's wonderful. And just like hit Iroh's voice. That's the thing you have to get when you're yeah, casting Yeah, he has Iroh. a very specific cadence. Yes. And I think the guy, oh, I forget his name, but the guy that got, um, mm-hmm. did a decent job. It, I don't it think just he's wasn't. bad. He's, it's the early season or like yeah. the early part so of the series. He's, he's a lot more menacing. Gonna... So I think it works. Yeah. I don't think he's, he's ever as... menacing. Well, he's, he's not a... as friendly in those early episodes. Right. I don't think. He's you just know? kind and... of a goofy old guy. Right. That's just kind of drinking fire tea. Out of his hands, you know? Um, I, I did have one. Um, yeah, we talked it. about it a little bit. The, I liked casting unknowns in those leads, so I don't have like a different pull yeah, necessarily I, like, for those I lead roles. I raked my brain and I couldn't think of like I. There are better people to play the leads, but right. I couldn't. But I think it. Think of I any. would want it to be somebody new and surprising there. Absolutely. Um, but the one thing I did have was for. It's not the biggest part of the movie, but for Fire Lord Ozai. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about. Cliff Curtis being a little too like dad-ish. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> Which is like the opposite of what Ozai is supposed right. to be. He's supposed my to be the worst dad ever. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to toss in um Ken Watanabe instead. I um, do not know who, who this is. Please explain. Uh he is probably most recognized from Godzilla that came the one with Brian Cranston a little bit. Didn't did um, not he's see the it. guy that says let them fight. Um, he's a, got a really like quiet and stoic, dramatic baritone thing. Okay, um, I'm and on board. It I think it makes a lot of sense because that's a character that needs to have a lot of like stillness, but really powerful stillness, yep. and just be able to like stand there and hold the attention yeah, and hold the yeah, energy yeah, yeah. of the room. And Ken Watanabe has that. Okay. He's got this just like, I can be serious and in charge and I can stare directly through your head and there's nothing you oh, can do about it. I love it. Like just that real gravitas that I think makes sense. And I, I like Cliff Curtis. I think he is a very talented actor, but I just don't know if that makes Not sense for this him. this role. <laughs> right. Not um, every role makes sense for every good actor, you know? One of the best parts of that character in the show is that they don't even show his face. Right. It takes a long time to even time. see him. He's just and like he's an unspoken still terrifying. Threat. Yeah. This... Yeah. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to pull somebody to direct or write. Oh, okay. And I don't You got one? I don't have one that I love. Okay. That's fair. I thought <laughs> It's a tough one. It's, it's a tough, tough thing to adapt into a movie. In I general. I thought like somebody like Brad Bird might be interesting because he has a really good grasp on uh, uh, the Incredibles and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, he has great, a really great. good grasp. <laughs> I was on, like, I know that name. <laughs> yeah. On a family dynamic, he understands okay. how how to write a family. He also yes, understands he how to choreograph action, or at least mm-hmm. how to direct action. Obviously, he's not the one choreographing it himself, but to direct action, and I think that would be interesting. But I don't know if he has the right voice for it. I also thought like. John Woo would be really interesting. Speaking of Mission Impossible directors, uh, that's Mission Impossible 2 is John Woo. And also, uh, oh, it's going to kill me that I can't say one right off the top of my head. But um, that is also giving you the opportunity to give it to um, another director who is coming from a similar cultural place. John Woo was big. Yeah. In the past, uh, he did like face off. 
Face Off okay. is one of his big... I haven't seen it, but, but I'm aware of it. He's a really prolific director outside of the United States. You know, okay. He's done a lot of stuff that didn't get a big theatrical release in the States mm. because it's in uh, like Japanese. Okay. Or, sorry, uh, Chinese. I'm, I don't want to say that wrong. He, he's from China. Mm. Okay. Um, but he's a very talented action director. I think there could be something interesting there. Yeah. But I just, I don't know if I really want somebody to make this into a movie in the first place because I'm not coming up with somebody yeah. that I really like that would actually make sense. I, okay. I, I think this is a good spot to put this. I have yet to find a single time they've converted something that is animation to live action and yeah. enjoyed it. Like, There's not I a great example of it. I don't think we've yet to find a justification to do so that has gone well. Right. Like all this went terribly. And I don't know that there's a combination of people and anything that could have made it that much better. Yeah. I don't I know think if there it could have been better, but I don't know that it ever would have been great. Right. And the same goes for like all these Disney little live action, quote unquote remakes yeah. that they're making. I, I just, I hate it. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think that is one of the most difficult um medium transitions you can make is animation yeah. to live action. I think that is such a weird and difficult leap that I don't I've yet to see a single situation where it's worth it. Yeah, I think <laughs> in it, any way. I think it doesn't work for the same reason that video game to movie adaptations don't work and that you can do things in video games and cartoons that you can't do in a live action motion picture in video games that's you are inherently taking away control of the characters by making it a movie so it doesn't you can't interact with it as much like a video game will always be more interactive than a movie and in a cartoon you can do things with just the visuals that you know, you can animate around and you can make things look certain ways, but the the visual style and it's, having a voice actor behind the character, right, you can't do that in a movie. So it's always going to be different. And if you're doing yeah. something that people loved as a cartoon, and even if, even if the different isn't necessarily bad, if it's different, people are going to have a hard time with it. Absolutely. I, it's always yeah. going to be a tough translation you know it's just not i'm not a fan i am not a fan i think the only the only like the closest thing to a successful like animation to uh live action transition that has found any sort of success only kind of counts because it's (laughs) the marvel cinematic universe yeah which like kind of counts because comics are kind of inherently the same style as right, animation they, they're different, different mediums don't take that as me right. saying they're the same they are not the same but they're much closer than any other <laughs> any right. other and the freedom you have there is that you can put your own narrative on top of it you can absolutely. just take those characters and put them into a different story you can't do that when right. you're adapting a tv show no absolutely um not. speaking of adapting one medium into another let's go to question six <laughs> Please. which is would this be better as a musical? <laughs> and here's my thing. The effects are obviously the tough sell here. Yeah. But if you find a way to do the effects work, like if, if we take away the technical challenges of it, 
I think it actually could make a lot of sense in that style. I think so. Could, I, could, I think, I so, think so too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I agree with you. Um, the only thing I wrote down for this was, uh, please refer to season three, episode seventeen, the Ember Island players. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I agree with you. I think it could. You know, I just talked a lot of trash about adapting animation to live action <laughs> but i think i think theater and more specifically musical theater is a much easier transition than to just a straight movie right and i think it could actually be really interesting if you know you were to pull in elements of like traditional japanese theater or traditional chinese theater that could be really really cool have elements of you know shadow puppetry and and the things you see Ooh. in like Peking opera and yeah, yeah, Kabuki yeah. theater. <laughs> and if you, if you're willing to like infuse those elements into the story while putting it into maybe a closer to Americanized Broadway style, I think you could really find something interesting in the blending of cultures based on an IP that people are already interested in. Definitely. And I think there could be something there. That I think said, so too. I don't know who I would want to attach to it because I have no uh, idea I have what one. to do with it. I have one. Yeah, um, please. Someone who has written, I don't know if he wrote the music or just the book or if it's, oh, he was in one, in some way related to it. Because <laughs> I think, I think it was based on his like experience. Um, okay. George Takei was oh. uh, tied to a musical not long ago. Oh, what was it called? I can't remember. It was, about, it was a sh- musical. That was about uh, one of my old roommates. Really, really loved it. Um, oh, I thought you were about... to say it was a musical about one of your old roommates. <laughs> no, 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 wouldn't that be crazy? That no, it was um, it was about the Japanese internment camps that were in the United States. Oh, oh, uh, that um, George Takei. Yes, that is what it is. Yes, um, which George Takei lived in one of those when he was a kid. Right. Um, so it was. I don't know if he. I think he had a hand in writing it. I think he did. If if nothing else, it's based on some of his stories and some of his experiences. Huh. So I think I think I'd want him tied to it. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I think yeah. I think there could be a way to make it a really compelling like staged thing. Obviously, in the same way that the movie had missteps, you'd really have to sort of tiptoe your way around making sure that you made it a compelling story while also honoring source material and also Absolutely. honoring, you know, a multicultural view of the story because I think that's one thing that the original show did super well is it was able to you know look at different cultures and make them digestible for an audience that wasn't used to it totally yeah it's good not to like overly crap on this on this project because it's like it's it was kind of a difficult thing that probably wasn't gonna go well right from the very beginning yeah, yeah. It, it was always going to be a tough sell. But that doesn't mean it's not bad, because it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there have been adaptations that are just fine and forgettable. This is one that was bad. Actively bad. <laughs> actively well, bad. and now that we've called it actively bad, it's it's time for final question on our questionnaire. Mm-hmm. That is, what do you rate this film? <laughs> and boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. We've been we've been giving really generous ratings for the first three episodes, and this one <laughs> we're gonna be not so much doing that. Oh no no no! Um, no. I I'll I'll go first. Um, Please do. 
I'm going to rate this movie a three miles per hour, which is how fast that rock was floating through the air before they, <laughs> before somebody else teamed up and got it. And that's out of the correct, like, I don't know, probably 40 or 50 to actually do any damage to a member of the Fire Nation. Three miles per hour is what I'm giving this movie. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, <laughs> you. you hit neither of the mine. Perfect. You get to rate it twice then. <laughs> I get to rate it twice. Before we started this recording, we were concerned that we were going to have the same rating. That's good. I like um, the behind-the-scenes look at, like, we don't talk to each other about this beforehand. We just <laughs> turn on the recording and we go. We go. <laughs> Keep the fiction intact. Exactly. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I rated this film zero out of the four elements. <laughs> Not even one. Not even one element. <laughs> Not even one. Yeah, okay, uh, and I did my, almost call my it alternate one. one nations, yeah. yeah, my alternate one. If you if you said the same one as me, was going to be zero out of a hundred years of war. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Woo-hoo. Oh, that's good. Oh boy, what Thank a you. film! You know what a film. Bad movies exist, and bad movies can they be like, fun to watch. People, I don't think this is one of them, but yes. <laughs> you know, I, I always think it's worth mentioning though that like people did pour their hours and their work into this and they like, did they they i don't think this movie this movie doesn't feel like one that was made because somebody needed a paycheck it felt like people no. in this movie cared about it and just got a little yeah. misguided on the way That's, <laughs> that is one thing i was gonna bring up uh one of the like many 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 videos i watched <laughs> uh leading up to this just because i was just fascinated with it and how all this happened uh, was one of oh let me look at his name the guy who played Aang, uh, Noah Ringer. Yes. Noah Ringer, uh, our young Aang, who was twelve years twelve years old yeah. when they made this movie. Um, there was a video of just him existing on set for a day, like they just followed him <laughs> around set and just kind of like showed him a day in the life of you know being the Avatar and all that. And he, I was going to crap on him so much on this. And that <laughs> video alone made me not want to. Because he just seemed like the sweetest kid on the planet. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, he, like, right before they were filming some stunt um, in the in the video. And he, like, knew all of the extras by name. And, like, they showed mm. him getting his, like, arrow put on his head before he went on the set. And he was so sweet to his, like, makeup crew. And he knew them all by name. And oh. he, they showed him, like, you know, they have the, like, trailer where they do school in between takes. Right. The children. <laughs> uh, and they showed him doing school. And it was just so cute and yeah. sweet. And I felt so bad. And on his Wikipedia page, it literally says Avatar The Last Airbender is one of his favorite shows of all time. Oh. And I said, oh. Oh my god, I can't say anything bad about this kid now. I cannot. <laughs> Even though he's 22 now. He's the same age as us. Oh, that's but weird. I still don't want to. Yeah, I get it. It's not his fault. No. He it, was a, it, he was just a wee lad. Yeah. It's not his fault they shouldn't have cast him. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the spirit of the way this uh, title of the show started in... Mm-hmm leaving the film cats and wondering aloud <laughs> what had just happened to us. What had I just happened to us? I think it's 
I think it's this is as appropriate as ever a time to ask. What did we just watch? What did we just watch? That was really something. It, it hurt me a lot. I, it, it did. I knew it was going to have some good conversations. <laughs> I caught Noopsy.